Hello, I'm Father Dan Serratori from the St. Benedict's Catholic Community in Burwood, Melbourne, and welcome to our podcast. We hope you're blessed by this homily recorded at our Sunday Mass. May it enrich you and may it inspire you to embrace more fully the love, the life, and the mission of Jesus. Enjoy. Anyone who has done a lot of travel would have probably noticed that in many countries around the world, there is a clear divide between rich and poor. And for a number of reasons, this divide seems to be constantly growing. This, of course, means that in many domains in society, those who have the means also have the advantage over those who don't have the means. There is one domain, however, where this rule doesn't apply, and that's in God's domain. In Christianity, at least, wealth and power and intellect don't necessarily give you any advantage at all. In fact, Jesus said that they can uh, have the opposite effect. They can actually become a hindrance to the spiritual life. The ones who profit the most in God's domain, the ones who find the advantage are those who are humble and who are open to a God who is constantly revealing himself to us. Last week, I spoke a little bit about the centrality of revelation, how the Christian journey opens us up to a different kind of knowledge a whole new understanding of God and ourselves and the world. And it's a knowledge that we arrive at, not so much through our brilliance, you know, our our intellect and all of that, but through the spirit. It's a spiritual understanding that, that God reveals to our hearts over time. And it's this understanding that opens us up to new layers of meaning and possibility for our lives. Last week, I mentioned how the main place that we encounter this revelation of God is through his word to us, right? Through the scriptures. And in particular, there are certain moments in the life of Jesus that are especially enlightening. There are moments where we really want to pay attention to them. And today's gospel is another one of those moments. This is uh, Jesus' first miracle. You find it in the in the Gospel of John, and John calls miracles signs. This is the first sign that Jesus gives to reveal who he really is and what that means for you and me. So we've, we want to pay attention to this one, huh? We want to be open to this revelation. The key to understanding this Gospel today is actually found in the first reading from the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Christ. Isaiah was speaking to a people who were living in a very depressing place in their lives. They'd been uh, living prideful, selfish lives, and as a result, they'd become weak as a nation, and and they were overcome by a foreign power. They'd lost all control, all confidence, all hope. They were in a pretty dark place, right? In their mind, what they were experiencing was God's punishment. They thought that, you know, they'd angered God and this is just, you know, them getting what they deserved. Have you ever had that kind of feeling in your life? Things aren't going so well and you think, oh, well, it's, you know, I guess it's God punishing me. 
Fair enough. But in the midst of their failure and their suffering, once again, God intervenes. And he intervenes to reassure them. And the way that he reassures them is by giving his people a very different picture of how he sees them. See, sometimes our view of God, the way that we think God sees us, is very, very different to actually how God does see us. That's why it's so important to be open to revelation, to God revealing his heart to us. Listen how he speaks about his people, which include you and me, by the way. He says, The Lord takes delight in you. And your land will have its wedding. Like a young man marrying a virgin, so will the one who built you marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices in the bride, so will your God rejoice in you. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, this doesn't sound like a God who is angry, a God who is demanding, a God who punishes us when we fail. When you actually stop to think about it, these words are unbelievable. Think about it. The almighty, all-powerful God offering himself to humanity in this radically vulnerable and personal and committed way. The creator giving himself to the created in marriage. Now, God's, of course, not talking literally about marriage here, but this is the best metaphor that God can can come up with to communicate with us, to help us to recognise his affection towards us. Think about a newly married couple or a couple like Jan and Gemma who are about to get married, right? Right? When you're around them, all you experience is, is the, their joy and their excitement and their love for one another. They're so consumed by one another. That's the imagery that God is using. He said, this is how I feel about you. God is saying to his suffering people, because of this faithful love, you will again flourish. He says, you are to be a crown of splendour in the the hand of the Lord. You will be a princely diadem in the hand of your God. You will no longer be termed, named forsaken. You shall be called my delight. What God is revealing through the prophet is that our fullest hope and life is found through the marriage of God and humanity. This is the clue that we need to properly interpret what's going on in the gospel. So let's go there now. Jesus is at a wedding, right? That's the first clue. God was talking about marriage in the first reading, and now Jesus is at a wedding. And at this wedding, the wine runs out. And this was a big problem, not only because the, the wedding party would go for days, but wine was the, the central symbol of joy, right? Wine was the life of the party. So if you've got no more wine, there's no more celebration, right? It's, it's, it's a huge problem. And there was no Dan Murphy's back then, so you couldn't just, like, pop down the road and get some more, right? It was a problem. And, and Mary noticed all of this that was going on, and, and in her wisdom, she steps in. 
She gives Jesus a little nudge and she simply says, they have no more wine. Being a good son, Jesus picks up the hint from his mother and he turns a whole lot of water into a whole lot of wine. And it's not any wine. You hear John makes a very important point here that it's the best wine. A whole lot of the best wine. Now the celebration can continue. Now the joy can keep flowing, right? Now the key question for us is why did Mary ask Jesus to sort out the wine problem? Ever wondered why? The reason she asked him, whether she knew this or not, was because it was the bridegroom's responsibility to provide the wine. Can you see what's happening here in this miracle? By providing the wine, Jesus is being revealed as the true bridegroom. You get it? See the link now? This is the all-important revelation. that It's through Jesus that God marries humanity. Jesus is the embodiment of the love which God promised hundreds of years before through the prophet Isaiah, the love which redeems us and saves us. Jesus is the true face of God. In him, we find the one who delights and rejoices over us. In Jesus, we come to discover our deepest value. In Jesus, we find the best wine, the wine that brings true and lasting joy to our lives. See, this is Jesus' first miracle because it reveals to us the depths of God's love, and it's only that revelation of love that can open us up to God's life. It's only that revelation that can uh, really launch us into a a spiritual journey, to a, a new potential for our lives. St. Augustine, he wrote about his own experience of this revelation of Jesus. And I don't know of anyone who puts it better than him. He says to God, you were with me, but I was not with you. They held me back far from you, those things which would have no being were they not in you. He's talking about all the distractions in his life, right? But he said, then you called You shouted. You broke through my deafness. Can you hear the revelation? You did it. You flared. You blazed. You banished my blindness. You lavished your fragrance. I gasped, and now I pant for you. I tasted you, and now I hunger and thirst. You touched me, and I burned for your peace. You can't learn this stuff in books, right? No one can tell you about this. I mean, they can, but it, it won't have the same effect on us. This, is, this stuff can only be revealed to us by a God who is gracious and loving. You know, we can only open ourselves up to this truth. We, it can't, we can't digest it like we would anything else we read and learn. Here is the thing I've, I've learned about revelation. It's... It's not the same as intellectual knowledge. We, we know about God's goodness and love, right? We've all heard it, I'm sure, a thousand times. 
Revelation only really happens when we receive that love over our lives, when we surrender to it, when we're brave enough to uh, allow God to meet us in the midst of our failures and our guilt and our shame and our anger and, and all of that, the real stuff in us. This is the secret of the saints, huh? They just surrendered themselves to the revelation of God. They allowed that to be their truth, even when there was all kinds of other stuff going on in them. So if you are a bit like some of the people in Isaiah's time, if you're carrying around an image of God who is perhaps a little angry, a bit vengeful, demanding, God who punishes you when you fail, or or maybe you're feeling a little bit low on wine at the moment. Maybe joy is a little scarce in your life. If that's you today, then perhaps this is an important revelation for you right now. Perhaps the best thing you can do this year is to get to know the bridegroom. Maybe this is your time to really start to develop your relationship with Jesus. Make an effort to get to know him, start talking to him more often, open your heart to him, surrender to his love. There are a number of ways that you can do this practically. You might jump into our upcoming Alpha course, starts in three or so weeks. That course is all about introducing us to the person of Jesus. Or maybe you can jump in one of our small groups, which is starting soon, a smaller community, smaller groups that you can journey with uh, through through life and, and come to deepen in your faith. You might watch the Chosen series about the ministry of Jesus, free, find it online, wonderful resource. You might pre- prayerfully read one of the, the, the Gospels. Just go through it slowly. Allow God to reveal himself to you through that. You might make some other daily commitment to prayer. Whatever you do, stepping towards Jesus usually requires a little bit of risk. It requires us to be a little bit uncomfortable, perhaps to do what we haven't done before. We see this today in the gospel. Jesus took a risk, right? He told the servants, fill the jars with water. Now, what if it didn't work? (laughs) He would look like an idiot, right? And what about the the servants? They listened to him. What if they did the wrong thing? They had to take a risk too, but they took the risk and God, that enabled God to, to do the rest, right? We need to take a little risk. We need to take that step of faith. Maybe all of us this year can take a little risk to give ourselves more fully to the bridegroom, the one who gives us the best wine, the richest love, and the most satisfying joy. You can find reflection questions for this homily at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash homily. Thanks for joining us today and have a great week.